isn't it? So thank you guys this morning. How, how many love the beautiful decorations that were over there? I want to thank I want to thank Giselle and her team. She set that up for the Migos the Fay meeting. Then we carried it over to Cinco de Mayo, and then was, they're so beautiful. Let's leave them up for Mother's Day. So uh, we just we want to thank uh, Giselle and all of her team for doing that. Uh, Man, if you if you didn't hear the message Wednesday night, I want to say that Kunle just he did a fantastic job. And I uh, appreciate him. Appreciate all of our team. Um, thank you guys for coming out, supporting Cinco de Mayo. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Angel. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, if, if you may not know, they did a great job, reached out to the community, had a wonderful time, uh, had lots and lots and lots of food and, and fun and fellowship. And they surprised us with a three-layer cake. And so I just want to thank him. And you say, well, why did you get a three-layer cake? Well, it's my birthday, and I'm taking him an offering right now. No, not really. <laughs> no, I don't know if many of you may not remember this, but we were voted in as the pastors of Crossroads Church on Cinco de Mayo nine years ago, Thursday. Oh. It's, been a, it's been an exciting ride, Amen. All right, and it's going to get more exciting. So let's, I just want to thank, I just want to take time to say thank you all for your support and for being such a beautiful congregation and group of people. Uh, we love you and thank God for you and thank you for all the hard work this week. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to Galatians, Galatians, the fourth chapter, Galatians 4. Now, I only have about 17 hours of message and I mean that with all seriousness. So we're only going to get through portions of this today. And I believe the Lord's just going to continue to minister to us in the weeks ahead out of this passage. But I want to take the next few moments and I want to ask the Holy Spirit just to, just to guide my thoughts in my heart today. Because I want to impart to you something that I believe will transform, which I know will transform your life. I want you right now just to go with me once more to the throne of grace. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we are in partnership, that, Lord, you called us to be co-laborers with you. I thank you, Lord, for revelation. Lord, we can't know what we don't know unless you reveal. And Father, I believe that you have strategically placed people in this house today to receive your word. Now, Father, I'm asking, Lord, for the revelation beyond the thoughts that you've even given me thus far. And I just ask, Lord, that you would instill, Lord, within us, Lord, your truth. And, Father, we love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. I love to look at the Word of God and see things that I've never seen before. I've touched on it just a little bit in the service we had last week. But I, I want you to look here in Galatians 4 and 21 through 31. It says, tell me, Paul speaking to the church at Galatia, tell me who desires to be under the law. Do you not hear the law or the instruction? It is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a slave woman, the other by a free woman. But he 
who was of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but he of the free woman through the promise. These things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one is from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage. She is Hagar. Now, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and represents the present Jerusalem, the natural Jerusalem, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem which is above is free, which is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who have no labor pains. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brothers, like Isaac, are the children of promise. But as it but as it was then, he who was born after the flesh persecuted him who was born after the Spirit. So it is now also. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the, slave, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then... Brothers, we are not children of slave woman, of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, as we look at this, I want you to note there that Paul says this is an allegory. An allegory is defined as a poem, a picture, or a story that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. So here he gives an, an allegory, and he contrasts two mothers and two sons. The first mother was Hagar. She represents Mount Sinai. She represents the Jerusalem in the physical. She represents the Old Covenant. What we see here, that Sarah represents the free woman and her son was the son of promise so as you look here to the word of the Lord what we see is that Hagar was a slave and if we do the backstory on that for those that may not have read this story God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son but time went by how many know time goes by <laughs> And you wait, 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 and the wait starts to rhyme with hate. And you hate to wait. And you just, you're hating on the waiting. And you start getting a little impatient. So now you decide, hey, this thing's not going to transpire like it's supposed to transpire, so let's just take matters in our own hand. You know how it is. Where there is a wheel, there's a way. <laughs> so what we see Sarah comes up with the idea. Abraham, this is my slave guard. This is my, my maiden. This is my slave, her, her, my servant. Her name is Hagar. She's from Egypt. I want you to take her and go bear children with her. Don't see any argument on Abraham's side. He just goes and he has a, a child. That child's name is Ishmael. Now, some years later, if, uh, uh, was it 12 years, 14, 12 years? 
later, now Sarah reaches the age of 90. Anybody want to start, uh, you know, Mother's Day out at 90? Anybody want to have play dates when you're 90 years old? Oh, no, no, no. So, what happens now is the angel shows up and, and tells Abraham, said, Sarah, your wife is, is going to have a child. Now she laughs. Anybody ever got to that place where it seems like it's too far gone and it's like, God, if you'd have done this 25 years ago when, when I received the promise, it'd been great. It'd been wonderful. <laughs> I'm too old for this now. I'm too tired for this now. I don't have the energy to chase after. In fact, if I bend over, I may not get back up. You know what I'm saying? I'm convinced personally that I'm getting taller. Why do I know that? Because the ground keeps getting further and further away. So she laughs. And I, this is just a little a note here. It's interesting in the story of Sarah and Abraham that there are three laughs that are mentioned. She laughs in skepticism. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to have a child. Have you seen the old man? He he ain't what he used to be. I, I mean, she's, you know, I can look in the looking glass and see me, and I know me, but but have you seen him? Been with him a long, long time. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, that's a good one. She got called out on it. Sarah, you've been laughing. Me? No, no, no. That was the that was the that was the goat. <laughs> meh, the sheep. Meh. You sound a lot like your laugh. So then we see, twelve years later, we see a second laugh. That laugh was a laugh of scorn, because at the weaning of the promised child. Here is Ishmael, born under slavery with a slave mother, and he is scorning, scoffing, laughing at Sarah and her child. Let me say to you, when it comes to walking by faith in Christ alone, Works will always be scorning and laughing and telling you you can't do it that way. But then there's the third laugh. And the third laugh is when Isaac is born. It's a laugh of sincerity. And she said, I'm just going to go ahead and name him Laughter. And everybody that sees this promised child and calls his name out, they're just going to say, hey, look, there's my boy. What's your boy's name? My boy's name is Laughter. <laughs> and there's a chuckle and a laughter every time they mention his name. Here is my son. His name is Laughter. It was a laugh of sincerity. 
So let me say to you, in your journey of faith and you're walking with God and you're holding out upon the promises, uh, I do want you to laugh, and I believe the Lord wants you to laugh most of all. And I, want to, I believe the Lord wants you to be filled with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. But let me tell you, he doesn't want to, to hear the laugh of skepticism nor the laugh of scorn. What is coming on the church today is a laugh of sincerity, a sincere laugh that says, God, I receive what you promised. Now, as we look here to the word of the Lord, we see the contrast between the two mothers. We see that one was born by the flesh, what Paul tells us, and the other by promise. And what I saw in this passage of Scripture that I've never seen before is that whenever there was a declaration over Sarah, what, what took, caught my eye is rejoice, barren woman. Rejoice, barren woman. But God had written within his word, and he gave us examples of what take place in the, in the word of the Lord. But the very birthplace of promise is that barren womb, is the womb that is barren, that is desolate, where, where there's just not any hope in the natural for that, for that womb to actually bring forth any kind of production. There, Sarah is here, and the Bible says uh, that she laughed because she understood uh, that her body had already gone through the processes. She understood that her system, her systems no longer work. How did she know that? She had learned from her mother and her mother's mother and her mother, mother's mother's mother. But they have been taught when you go through menopause, it's over, it's done. You, you cannot produce anymore. Though so beyond whatever her difficulty was in the beginning, she had already gone through the system. Her, her system didn't work anymore. I believe we're coming into a day where, folks, our systems are not going to work anymore. Oh, where our systems are just not going to get it done anymore. <laughs> I believe we're coming into a day, and Paul, he declares in the, in the Passion Translation, it says in Galatians 1 and 4, he's the anointed one who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He has rescued us from the evil world system and set us free just as our Father God desired. The commentary of that right there, it says not only the evil world system, but that also includes the religious system. What does all of this mean to you and I? What is the allegory that Paul is trying to convey? He's saying, look, the church will be birthed from a supernatural womb. The church will come forth not from a system that seems to have the, the idea of production, the mechanisms, numbers are fantastic. We need people in the house, and, but let me tell you, I'm interested in more than crowds. I'm interested in transformation. I'm interested in the kiss of heaven upon the heart of an individual. I'm, I'm, what I'm looking for 
It is the Holy Spirit to reach down and to enter the barren womb of a person's heart and then become alive in Jesus Christ and be transformed into his image and walk in his likeness and live as a free child of the living God. But see, what we understand is that the, the systems of the world and the evil age that we're living in, it's always trying to, it's always trying to mock and say it's got to be more than just faith in Christ. Oh, you got to have more than just faith in Christ. you got to have, you got to have Jesus in all of this goodness and, and all this morality and all this hard work. And if you work hard, you'll get the thing done. But I'm saying to you, it's not going to get it done. What's going to get it done is faith in the living God and what he has already done in the hearts of the children of God. I know this is probably new news to you because I don't know that we have had the revelation that we need in the day that we're living. And so what we have heard over and over and over and over again is you got to just work harder. You've, you've heard it from the pulpit. You've called back from the pew. We've had it in the classes. We've gone to the seminars. We've bought the T-shirts. If the world's going to get better, then the church has to work harder. If you're going to have righteousness, you've got you to work harder. And so what we have replaced is we have replaced righteousness, true standing with God, as we ought to be, divinely accepted, divinely approved, and we've replaced that with morality. If you're moral enough, you can be righteous because the wage of morality is righteousness. I'm saying to you right now, morality will not produce righteousness. Now, those ushers are going to walk back with a feather and push some of you over. Because you've been taught your whole life uh, that righteousness, uh, that morality produces righteousness. Uh, let me say to you, if you'll just flip the script, you'll understand. Uh, morality will not produce righteousness, uh, but righteousness will always and forever produce morality. But you see, you can't give what you, what you are not. God can only do through you what he is to you. If he's your righteousness, now you walk as you ought to walk and you talk as you ought to talk because your righteousness is not based upon how well you can perform. So there's a slave girl who has a son. His name is Ishmael, and he is a representation of a works system. Instruction. Follow all of these 613 laws, instructions, and you will be walking in the fullness of that covenant. But Paul shows us in Galatian, Galatia, Galatians, that righteousness does not come by our self-effort. Righteousness cannot come from our self-effort. Righteousness can only come from the righteous one living on the inside of us. Now, he becomes our righteousness. Now, the barren womb here, 
The barren womb is the birthplace of promise. Sarah's system didn't work anymore. Hagar bore a son, his name was Ishmael, who represents the natural Jerusalem, which represents the, the old covenant, which represents uh, that mindset. Now, we are born into this world as sons of Hagar, slave, living in slavery. We have an alienated mind and a sin conscience. An alienated mind and a sin conscience. We live with the belief that God is always angry with, at us, that we should be in hiding, that we avoid religious people and religious organizations because they're going to discover how, how no good we are. And I don't want any part of that, so I'm going to push it all away. I'm going to make sure that nobody knows, and I don't want them judging me. I don't want them coming down on me with all of their stuff. And so I'm just going to avoid that altogether because we are living in, a, in, in an alienated mind because of where we were born. We have a sin consciousness. We see the child of promise, the child that is born by means beyond our means, the child that came through the barren womb, is a child of promise. He represents a new covenant. And that new covenant, you don't longer have a sin consciousness. You have a son consciousness. You no longer have an alienated mind. You have an aligned mind. You're not living in a state where you always feel like you're marginalized and pushed out and pushed away. You have someone living on the inside of you. You've been transformed. You live now by the grace and the power of the living God. Mm. I share this little nugget with you. Hebrews 1 and 2 in the Passion Translation says this. I love this. But to us living in these last days. Anybody here living in the last days? God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things in all time. And I love the commentary on this. How many in here speak English? Habla inglés? Habla inglés? How many speaks Spanish? Mm. Habla español? How many speak Hebrew? I know there's one in here, at least studying it. All these different languages, and some of you have multiple languages. I have a hard time with just the one. But see, we speak in English and Spanish in whatever region or country of the world that we grew up in. That's the, our, our native language, our heart language. But you know the language that, that the Father speaks to us? He speaks to us in son. The language of the Father is Son. And when He speaks to us, He speaks to us in the Son language. Ooh, it's better than what you, I know, it's just like, well, I've never seen that dialect. Well, that's why we're here. 
Because what we begin to see is that when God communicates with you and I, he speaks to us as we ought to be. He speaks to us as his children. I, I speak to my children different than I speak to the crowd. I, I, in fact, I, I pick up my phone when my kids call as often as I can. But Jacob said the other day, he said, Dad, for the first time in a long, long, long time, I actually got your voicemail. Because if I'm available, if I hear the call, if I hear the ring, if my ringer's not turned off, if I'm in a, I will answer the call because I'm going to talk to my kids. They have a direct line to me all the time. My grandbabies have even a, a quicker line. I start hearing that snap going, beep, 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 beep. Oh, get that phone out of my pocket. I'm going to miss a call from Violet. <laughs> See, the father speaks in the language of a son, of the son, of the son. When he talks to you, he didn't talk to you as a stranger or some alienated individual. He speaks to you because you're his child. He sees you through the image of his son. He sees you knowing that you are his and he is yours. And he speaks to you as her He wants to talk to you about family business. He wants to bring you into that inner circle and set you down. And he wants to break bread with you. Oh, he's knocking at the door. He's knocking at someone's door right now. And said, oh, if you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with you. We will commune together. Let me tell you, God's not trying to push you out. He's just trying to get into your world. He's trying to show you how much he loves you. You're his child. I know that there are difficulties. When you grow up in an environment where you can't trust the ones that you should trust in, I understand that on a personal level. But I assure you, <clears throat> those natural inclinations to want to be accepted by that mother who's got her issues and that father who's got his issues and you want so much as a child to love them you want so much as a child to have that normal natural progression in relationship and you don't want to have all the difficulties and all the harms and the hurts but you just want to have a relationship with them but their mind is so away from God that you feel the alienation uh, let me tell you just because they are there they are a representation uh, but they are not the true the true father is in heaven uh, and he loves you oh how he loves you God the father loves you and when he speaks to you he speaks to you as a son good night I didn't get through the intro Could, could we just, I, I, some of you are thinking, oh, Lord, I'm not coming back. <laughs> Even if they feed me, I'm just not coming. Frittata can only get you so far. <laughs> i got to show you something. I open the Bible and just, I love the Word of God. I'm telling you, I love the Word of God. If you're going to get the full picture, you got to show up, okay? We're just, we're just kind of casting a backdrop and just, we got some paint strokes going on, but we're going to get we're going to get the full picture. 
We're going to get the full picture. I'm going to leave you with something in just a moment, but I want to, Isaiah 54. I preach this text, I can't tell you how many times. You note takers, you probably wrote the date beside there. And a pastor friend of mine told me that's the best way to, to, to take care of those folks is you just keep us preaching the same text over and over and over again, and eventually they'll scribble those dates. So, anyway. I want you to look here at Isaiah 54 because this is the passage that Paul is quoting. This is the passage Paul is quoting. O sing, O barren, you who did not bear a child, break forth in singing and cry aloud. You who did not travail with child, for more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you shall spread out to the right hand and to the left, and your descendants, notice this, your descendants shall inherit the nations, make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Do not fear, for you shall not be ashamed, nor be humiliated, for you shall not be put to shame, for you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you and shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore, for your maker is your husband open that passage up and begin to read this morning and the Holy Spirit showed me exactly what that meant and some of you theologians and preachers and Bible scholars you can laugh at me later okay the Lord is your husband what does that mean Paul tells us that Jesus was born of a woman I don't think I have to go into a lot of clarity we all understand here uh, that we're here because we have a mama and a daddy amen I didn't mean to get so graphic Jesus was born of a woman. This is a prophecy that's gone forth. See, the reason why Jesus or God is the, the your maker is your husband, because a woman cannot produce a child by herself. Mary did not produce Jesus by herself. Seed was provided by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So, we're called what? The bride of Christ. So, you barren womb of Israel. You barren womb of Israel. You are the, you, you came out, the barren womb of Sarah, and, and, and there's no amount of work, there's no amount of effort, there's, your systems are broke. Abraham's body is good as dead. 
But I want you to sing, O barren. I want you to sing, O barren. Because it's coming today where I'm going to provide the seed and now there's going to be a child that comes out of that barren womb and the birthplace of promise is a barren womb and all of your self-effort is never going to amount to much other than to lead you to the place where you can't do it anymore. Now what I'm going to need Israel for you to do. Woo! I'm sorry, I'm just trying to hold it back. This is what I'm going to need you to do, Israel, because the seed coming out of you, you're not going to be able to contain in one nation. You, you, your, your canopy is not big enough. We're going to have to break up the stakes. We're going to have to get some longer cords. We're going to need to cover the whole earth in order to capture what's coming out of your womb called the church. My God, that's good, isn't it? Anybody ever been perplexed over that passage of Scripture besides me? I've been talking to the church about, hey, let's, let's by faith, let's open up these, these tent stakes and let's broaden, let's, let's get it bigger, let's get a bigger canopy. Oh, we out of the barren womb of Sarah. Something you've done wrong. You're left in a place where it's like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. I don't know how to work harder. I don't know how to produce more. I've done everything I know to do. Still, I'm, I'm here. When it came to my salvation, I really honestly believe that morality equaled righteousness. I'm going to go over here in you. And as much as I tried to prove that I would and I could, I kept failing and failing and failing. So I just took that information and I brought it before God and I thought, well, the only way God will like me is if I do good. And as long as I do good, then God will like me. My, my family will like me. My world will like me. And I just kept coming up, stumbling, 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 uh, and to the point where I just kept, God, I can't do this anymore. And I believe the Father went, oh, thank the Lord. Angels are thinking, oh, God, finally, he's given up and so I just surrendered and I said God either save me or kill me I'm glad to report he didn't kill me <laughs> physically but the old self died but then he resurrected me and the life that I now live is in by the faith of the Son of God you know what the thing is when you're trying to return to the works system the self effort system you have eliminated faith because you can't do both you can't earn it and and you can't receive that at the same time you can stay on that gerbil wheel of self-effort and work all you want to but all it's going to bring you you might be physically fit but you're going to be spiritually dead it's not until you get to the place where you come into God and you say Lord I surrender and then you receive every gift from God because of what he's done and not what you have done. See, I reached the point where my system was not working. My system of evil world system trying to find 
identity out there and letting everything identify me other than what God had identified me as did brought me zero satisfaction came into the house of God and tried to it wasn't what the preacher was preaching it was what I was hearing of my understanding is that I was trying to take that information and put it into a system that was broken and barren but here's a promise to someone and God quickened this to my spirit this morning another version of the same passage in Galatians burst forth with gladness rejoice O barren woman with no children break through with the shouts of joy and jubilee for you are about to give birth If you don't need it you probably didn't receive it but if you need it because you've been hanging on not just today but day after day after day after day you've been holding on and say God I, I need that healing my systems are not working Lord I need that relationship because my systems not work working Lord I need that child because my systems not working Lord I need that breakthrough because my systems not working and the Lord would say to you the birthplace of promise is the barren womb when you get to the place you can't do no more you just have to you may laugh in skepticism you may have the scorning laugh of Ishmael but if you will just trust the Lord he says you will laugh the laugh of sincerity because you're going to know God has done this and no one else could stand to your feet worship team get up here if you're in this house you're in this house right now it doesn't matter if it's physical emotional or relational when I lay hands upon you and those ministers in this house that lay hands upon you I believe that there is a birthing that is coming forth to that barrenness that's in your heart that barrenness that's in your body that barrenness that's in your relationship come on come on come on right now right now step out of this house into these aisles step out and lift your hands to the Lord and surrender say God I surrender God I surrender God I surrender God is healing hearts. He's going to heal hearts so phenomenally that, Lord, you're going to look at that peace is just going to rest upon you. I'm not trying to build your hopes up for something that God does not want to do. I'm trying to build your hope up and what I know that he is going to do. I want you to step out right now. Just begin to believe. Please don't leave this altar till we have a chance to pray for you. Don't leave this altar till we have a chance to pray for you. Andrea, I need you. I need our worship team. I need, I need our prayer team. Pastor Angel, Pastor Giselle, could you come on out of the out of the translation room? I need you in the altar right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on and begin to worship God right now. Begin to worship God right now.